Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 134 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Matthew chapter 28 today, and our focus is on into what name must we baptize people? Are oneness Pentecostals right to demand that we only baptize in Jesus' name? Must I speak in tongues to be saved? Well, I want to welcome new listeners from Paris, France, Parts Unknown, Nepal, Bangkok, Thailand, Birmingham, Alabama, Portland, Maine, Kansas City, Missouri, and Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you all for listening. Please do check out our website, Bible2021.com. Well, today we read Matthew 28, and on almost every instance, I would use this chapter as a springboard to talk about the resurrection, the most marvelous event in human history, but today is slightly different. Our focus will be on the baptism and great commission and the gift of tongues. That said, if you want to read or hear more about the resurrection, just come to our website, Bible2021.com or last year's Bible podcast website, which is BibleReadingPodcast.com and search in the handy dandy search tool for the word resurrection and you'll get a ton of articles and podcasts to listen to. Recently, a church member was approached by a member of Oneness Pentecostal group and told that they may not be Christians because they weren't baptized with the proper formula and they didn't speak in tongues. To the oneness Pentecostal, there is only one name to be baptized in, and all other ways that a person can be baptized are basically invalid. Keep that thought in the back of your mind, and let's review the Great Commission, which is our May memory of the verse of the month, and is in today's chapter. Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, reading that great commission of Jesus, how do you think he would have us baptize people? What name or name should we use? It seems pretty clear to me, right? People should apparently be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Those are the exact and precise words of Jesus, but... A problem happened in the 1900s, uh, right down the road from our family and church's home base of Salinas, California, in a place called Aurora Seco, California. There was a camp meeting in 1913 where a preacher named R.E. McAllister preached a message that rejected baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and instead said that people should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ only. Now, McAllister attempted to prove his point by quoting extensively from baptisms in the book of Acts, such as Acts 2.38, where Peter says, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Or Acts 19.5, a group of disciples of John The word says they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. In Acts 10.48, the people at Cornelius' house, the word of God says, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All three of those incidences omit the Trinitarian formula of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, when McAllister was preaching his message way back in 1913, a Pentecostal missionary to China tried to get up on stage and chastise McAllister for what he was saying, which caused a bit of a stir. And the meeting that night ended with people divided over the issue. 
The early next morning, though, something quite interesting happened. Another minister by the name of John Shape had stayed up all night. He woke up early and ran through the camp shouting that he had a revelation of sorts that all people must indeed be baptized only in the name of Jesus and not the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that caused quite a bigger stir in the camp. Shape's specific revelation was that Jesus was in fact the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The name of the Father was Jesus, the name of the Son was Jesus, and the name of the Holy Spirit was Jesus. So the way to obey the Great Commission as commanded by Jesus in Matthew 28 is to baptize people not in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, but only in the name of Jesus, because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit's name is Jesus. That's interesting, I guess. Well, ultimately, out of this camp meeting, a new denomination was born, the Oneness Pentecostals. There's about four million-ish of them today, so not a small group of people. They reject baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you're baptized that way, they are likely to say your baptism is invalid and maybe you want to, you're not even saved. Uh, they will require you to get baptized again. They reject salvation by grace through faith and they reject the Trinity. Instead, they believe that people must be saved by being baptized only in the name of Jesus in water by immersion, that people must repent of their sins and that people must be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to be saved. Now, this is only a 10-ish minute podcast, although I can already tell we're going to go a little long today. Sorry about that. So I can't address all of those claims with the depth they deserve, but I will share a few words. Here's the thing. There's zero evidence in the Bible that God the Father's name is Jesus. God himself, the Father, reveals his name to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 of the Bible as Yahweh. Further, it seems quite unwise to utterly reject a command of Jesus, as we see in the Great Commission. Is a baptism done in the name of Jesus alone spurious and ineffective? Well, I don't think so, because we see that in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, and Acts 19, and Acts 10. Is a baptism done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit spurious and ineffective? Of course not. Jesus commanded us to baptize that way. Must people speak in tongues to be saved? Again, of course not. There's literally nothing in Scripture that commands Christians to speak in tongues, though I do believe the gift of tongues is still active and present in modern times and should not it be at all be forbidden, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. In fact, Paul clearly indicates in 1 Corinthians 12.30 that not all Christians will speak in tongues. While it is true that several new Christians in the book of Acts spoke in tongues upon their salvation or shortly after, it is equally true that there are more instances of people being saved in the book of Acts that do not speak in tongues than those that do. Let's consider those. In Acts chapter 10, those who were saved at Cornelius' house listening to the preaching of Peter did indeed speak in tongues when they were saved. And so did the twelve disciples of John who were baptized in Jesus' name in Acts 19, which gives us a total of two, count them, one, two, incidences of new Christians in the book of Acts who spoke in tongues. Now, did the Bible does not mention tongues in the conversion of the thousands on Pentecost in Acts 2 after hearing Peter's sermon. 
Saul, Paul, when he became a Christian, did not speak in tongues. At least the Bible does not record that he did. Those in Samaria who were converted to Jesus at the preaching of Philip did receive the Holy Spirit in power, but tongues in that passage is nowhere mentioned. Let's read it, Acts 8, 15-17. After they went down there, they prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, there's no mention of tongues there. No tongues are mentioned at the salvation and baptism of the Ethiopian official, nor when the proconsul was converted in Acts 13, nor the Gentiles who were saved in Antioch, or the Greeks Greeks and Jews who were saved in Iconium in Acts 14. In Acts 16, we see Lydia converted to faith and the Philippian jailer and his whole family, and there's no mention of tongues. Acts 17 sees a group of Greeks in Thessalonica and in Berea converted to faith, and yet no mention of tongues. The Corinthians in Acts 18 were saved and baptized, but tongues are not mentioned there either, nor among the new believers in Ephesus in Acts 19, which I believe are the last specific converts mentioned in the book of Acts. So adding up the numbers, it's possible I missed one, but I didn't miss any incidences of tongues. I count 13 separate episodes in the book of Acts where either an individual or a group of people come to faith. In two out of 13 of those incidences, the gift of tongues is said to accompany salvation, as in Acts 10, or very nearly accompany salvation, as in Acts 19. In 11 of those episodes, there are no mention of the gift of tongues. In fact, in all 28 chapters of the book of Acts, the gift of tongues is only mentioned five times, and three of those occurrences are in Acts 2. So finally, ask yourself, If the gift of tongues is so central and necessary for salvation, why did Paul only write about tongues in one of his letters? That's one letter out of 13, 1 Corinthians. Why did neither Peter, nor James, nor John, nor the book of Hebrews, or the book of Revelation, or not to mention Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, why didn't Jesus mention tongues in any of his messages, nor in the Great Commission? Again, I do believe in the gift of tongues. I believe it is a valid and ongoing and wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. But to say and have doctrine that one must speak in tongues to be saved strains biblical credibility and is squarely and obviously a false teaching. If one must only be baptized similarly in the name of Jesus and not in the name of the Father and the Son, why did Jesus never ever teach about this? Why did the apostles never explain or command it? You'd think that if something such as this was absolutely necessary to salvation, that it would be clearly taught by Jesus and the apostles, or especially mentioned by Jesus in the Great Commission, which every one of the Gospels sort of addresses there at the end. Jesus never mentions that. It's not addressed that way. It seems to be adding to scripture to say the only way you must be baptized is in the name of Jesus. In fact, it seems to contradict the end of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So friends, be wise in your reading of scripture and be careful when a group or a person or a denomination tells you that they are the only ones who know the truth and everybody else is lost if they don't agree with them. Let's read our passage. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. 
After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Well, we're going to say it one more time because it's our May memory verse, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen and praise God. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.